Hi, my name is Sarah. Hi, my name is Olivia Jondal. I'm Carrie. Hi, my name is Tamara Ozzy. And this is... And this is Social Distancing. Episode 2. A virus, a mission, a mask, a star. Over the weekend, I started seeing a lot of posts popping up on my Facebook feed. People making masks for hospitals. People in my Arkansas circle, my St. Louis circle, and even people I grew up with back in southern Illinois. Turns out, all of those worlds kind of collided, putting this story together. One of the first people I talked to was Annie Beth from Sherwood, Arkansas, just outside of Little Rock. And she told me about a YouTube video she saw online. First hospital, I believe it was Deaconess put out, out on the news that they were looking for seamstresses. And I watched their video. Deaconess Hospital, it turns out, is the same hospital where my mom went to nursing school in Evansville, Indiana. All of this distancing is actually kind of bringing us together, huh? All right. So what does Deaconess say about all these masks? Hello, everyone. I am Lance Wilkerson, and I am joined by Cheryl Wathen, a vice president and chief financial officer here at Deaconess. And in this video, we're going to show you how to make a mask. Okay, well, the materials that we're using is actually 100% cotton, and the material is cut into uh, strips of material that are six by nine. So you'll notice that they're basically a rectangle. And as you go to make your mask, you're also going to need some, some elastic. So we're using the quarter-inch flat elastic uh, each piece you'll need to or is I'll put the full YouTube video link in the show notes for reference. Now, before we go any further into the story, I want to make this known. Everyone that I spoke to about these homemade masks understands and realizes that these are not made to replicate the highly effective N95 mask or surgical mask. Some of these people, like Sarah, were contacted directly by healthcare providers. I had a friend who is a family medicine doctor at a large institution here in the Chicago area Facebook message me and say, can we talk at some point today? And I said, sure. And I waited and I kept seeing people doing more and more masks on social media. And I'm like, I think she's wanting me to talk about masks. We talked later on that afternoon. She was. She was trying to source a particular mask that could be used in two ways. One, it's not a replacement for the N95 masks or PPE, the protective gear that, that they need. What they're hoping to do is to use it with their low-income folks that come into their clinics to be able to give to them in, in hopes of, A, giving them a mask, but hoping that they, too, might actually share back their official masks that they may be hoarding so that the doctors mm. can then have them. So it's they're trying to set it up almost as a bartering situation yeah. but more than that it's mostly just to get masks into their hands because um, the supply chain has been woefully under supported when I asked her how many she thought she needed she said well my office partner says we, we would take 10,000 holy shit <laughs> yeah I said let's start with 200 and go from there so the need is humongous now granted in a time of crisis, that may have been a little bit of an exaggeration, but if you think of the large medical institutions in the Chicago area, they are going to see hundreds of people every single day, and that adds up super quickly. 
And so the need is huge. Um, you know, it's one of those things where people are trying to be helpful and they're trying to do what they can and, and they are so excited about it and they send them in and we can't use them. Like they're not the right kind. And that can be uh, deflating to people who are saying, I mean, I've spent so much time and energy into doing this and I'm so proud of the work that's happening and the hospitals aren't even using them. Can you tell me a little bit about, like, are there any specifics that this uh, medical professional gave you so that we can make sure that if people want to do this and have the the capacity to do this, that, that they're going to be done correctly? Sure. Um, so first off, she wanted me to make sure that I knew that they were in the same sort of boat as everybody else researching what they were trying to find. She was trying to locate material scientists that might have a better idea of what materials would work best for this project. But in the meantime, we went ahead and um, found a pattern that is a mask pattern that can have a liner put into it. So it's a mask that has a pocket. Olivia, who is in St. Louis, makes clothes from vintage fabric. She has had a similar invitation as Sarah. I have a lot of friends who are in the nursing profession who are healthcare workers, and they were asking me if I would be interested in making masks, mm. which I was like, you guys don't have masks. That's absurd. So after doing some research and realizing this is kind of a global issue at this point, you know, um, I took the time to research a pattern and started making masks. Like Sarah, Olivia is not claiming that these masks she is making are equal to what hospitals are normally equipped with. But she has also done some extensive research to make the best possible mask that she can. Obviously, they're not medical grade. Obviously, they're not N95. But the particular pattern that I came up with is based off of a pattern that a Taiwanese doctor came up with. She was Taylor. There's a whole article on it and was like, I want something that has a pocket so that it's rewashable and can be disinfected, but also has a pocket for something that acts as a filter. Now, these women have not been adding filters to these masks. This is something they've been leaving up to the user. And when it comes to getting these masks to the people in need, social distancing and sheltering in place has made that a little difficult. The only way I really have to distri- like distribute these are for local pickups. I like leave them in a plastic baggie and nurses who have reached out to me online come and pick them up. A couple of my friends and I have been calling around to the hospital to insist that they don't need them, insist that they don't have a shortage, but then call me back and they're like, oh, but in April we will. Every, I'm just telling people to kind of be prepared for when they do come out with the information. Um, if not, hoarding them, giving them to people that they know that work in the industry. That's been a big frustrating um, miscommunication because like, it's more prepping, I guess, the way that I'm looking at it. I'm, we're prepping for the inevitable running out of masks, um, particularly in St. Louis. Carrie works at Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri, as the costume shop supervisor for the performing arts department. This woman's passion is sewing. And so when she saw on her different Facebook groups that there was a need, she jumped into action. And knowing that you're making them for someone who might, you know, be in need of one is kind of rewarding. And while obviously folks in the healthcare industry are the primary concern, Carrie says she's also worried about people who have been considered, quote unquote, essential workers, like her kids. 
My children do work in service industries that are still open. Mm, such as what? Uh, my daughter is a barista at Starbucks, and um, it's a unique Starbucks. It's inside a grocery store, so it's, um, you know, she does have daily contact with the public, but they're taking precautions, of course. And my son is an auto mechanic, so he's pretty isolated. Um, you know, he does come in contact with people, but I think social distancing there is easier than the Starbucks. So I am slightly concerned. Tamra is based in southern Illinois, where I grew up. Her passion for making these masks come from a few different places. I am an EMT. Um, technically, but I am now a stay-at-home mom. I was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic, and I'm pretty brittle. And, you know, stuff like this that's going on, you know, could really make me sick. Um, I've been in DKA a few times, which is diabetic ketoacidosis. This was kind of my way of being like, I can't jump back, you know, on the ambulance and help. But this is like me trying to do my part to help people that work in the medical field since there's such a shortage of masks. Her initial foray into sewing is an interesting story. Well, what I what I started doing is I I love going to Disney World. I'm I know it's like a, it's a crazy obsession my friends tease me about. So I started making mouse mouse ear headbands. So I have my own little Etsy shop. So I, I that's how I started. I mean that's what started the sewing. And then you know I have all this fabric and I started seeing everyone you know posting and talking about the shortage of masks. So I just thought okay, well, I'll look up a tutorial, find a pattern, and I'll just make one and see what happens. And and then the next thing I know, I have like 75 orders, you know. Oh, wow. I'm not charging anything, you know. I'm just making them for anyone who needs them. Is it a little daunting or a little uh, like burdensome to have all of these people reaching no. out to you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I think a lot of it, you know, when you're in quarantine and you're, you know, it's like even more so for me, sometimes you kind of get kind of lost in the whole stay at home mom thing. You are looking for a purpose. Annie Beth felt that conviction too. Um, I didn't feel comfortable charging for them. For our yeah. medical staff and first responders, that's just something that, you know, really burdened me. I asked everyone how many they are able to produce in a day. Here's Olivia again. So far, I've made 50 to 60. Um, Some of them obviously didn't necessarily work out. Um, Like my first three or four rounds were um, more or less just trying to nail down the pattern. So I was aiming to make 100 by the end of the week or by the end of this weekend. Many of them are taking on more of a streamlined approach to their work. Here's Carrie. Yesterday, all I did was, you know, prototype and and things like that. I've got about 35 of them cut out at this point. So then I'm just going to sit and assembly line them sort of like a factory. So I'm hoping by the end of the day, I have about 35 done. Sarah, again. So my production rate in a day, well, I have been doing a lot of administrative work and answering people's questions. So I haven't actually been able to produce as many as some other folks are doing as a caveat to that. But um, one friend um, tagged me in a post this morning and said that she has 50 going and doing like um, assembly line sort of production. So there's several different steps to this. And so mm-hmm. setting it up so that you can do all of one step at a time means that we have, my son and I here, we probably have about 20 that we're getting ready to put together and hopefully we'll have together um, by about seven o'clock tonight. For Annie Beth, it's certainly been a labor of love. It's overwhelming because I can only get four, maybe five done in an hour. So if you 
multiply that out this whole long day. Everyone I talk to feels a sense of duty when it comes to this work. But that doesn't mean we should settle for this situation. Here's Sarah again. I want to I want to cuss at this point. It is ridiculous. Fair warning, she doesn't actually cuss here. Unless ridiculous is a cuss word. Then, yeah, she does cuss here. It is absolutely ridiculous that people in their own homes who are sheltering in place so that they can stay safe are the ones that are stepping up to answer the call from our medical professionals who are in life or death situations because they can't get the supplies that they need. And if anybody is listening, they need to call their government officials at the national level and the state level and remind them that they work for us and that they need to get their butts in gear and do the work that needs to be done to keep us safe. Okay, yeah, she says butts, too. Seriously, though, while it is a little disconcerting to see the government lagging behind on securing the proper equipment for our healthcare workers, seeing folks all around the country step up and do their part has been encouraging. Olivia has even had some luck reaching out to some large-scale manufacturers. I sent the template to, to one in California. I think they're just um, like a t-shirt company. Mm. And then one in Minnesota. Um, they, I believe, are a memorabilia company. And they are te- toying with the pattern and considering whether or not they can like step in and start manufacturing them at a larger scale. So there's just like lots and lots of like grassroots efforts being made um, in the face of just the incredible lack of higher up people making decisions. And this grassroots movement is really what makes this country what it is. Well, it is we the people and we the people have got to take care of each other. The way I've been ending each episode is asking the guests what words of wisdom they have for people who are participating in social distancing. Now, normally, I like to reintroduce each voice before they speak, but I think perhaps the wisdom is the most important part of this. So let's just do all this all together. Here's Annie Beth, Olivia, Carrie, Sarah, and Tamara. I honestly feel like that this social distancing could be a blessing to our families. We've lost unity. We need you to sit down and have dinner together. We need you to talk about things. We need you to go outside, you know, in your front yard and throw a ball, um, go for a little walk. I, I really, that, you know, that's, that's been exciting. I mean, I think that um, the connections we have with our families is really greatly increased. Get creative with it. Paint for the sake of painting, you know, learn a new skill, find a new hobby, you know, Like, don't just sit there and watch TV and don't put your pressure on yourself to do something perfectly. You know, Mm -hmm. I made biscuits and they were like, not the best biscuits, but I'd never made biscuits before. That's kind of cool. We've been calling people, you know, the art of a phone call is kind of lost. So, um, but yeah, maybe reach out an old fashioned phone call or even maybe a letter. Send someone a card. The post office is still open, so tell people you're thinking of them. So I'm a quilter, and we have decided in our house, because we do have people that are taking walks in the neighborhood, to do something called quilt in place. And every day, starting yesterday, 
which was National Quilt Day, the 21st of March, the third Saturday of March is National Quilt Day. We have started putting out a quilt out in front of our house. I have a stand where we can display it. And between the hours of like 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., weather permitting, we're going to have a different quilt hanging out there over the next several weeks, um, just to be something different that the neighborhood can see. Mine would be um, to find the positive, especially, you know, with me being sick myself. It's scary. It's terrifying to think that you possibly could get sick yourself or your children, but I try to find a positive in it. You know, for me, it's making these masks, um, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's going out jogging. I mean, there's time now that people can do things that they didn't do before, you know, even if it's as simple as just spring cleaning, you know, spending more quality time with your kids. I mean, doing something as silly as making a TikTok video, connect, reconnecting, you know, every, we're all so busy all the time. Everyone's busy all, I mean, just, and this kind of makes it where you, you're forced to slow down and, and while it's scary, you know, you just get to catch up. Olivia is the founder and owner of The Rusty Bolt, based out of St. Louis, Missouri. You can find her on Instagram and the link is in the show notes. Sarah is the owner of Sparkle Sacks Designs. You can find her on Instagram too. Again, link is in the show notes. And also thanks so much to folks like Carrie, Annie Beth, and Tamara for your time. One last thing before we go. When did you say your son's birthday is? His birthday is March 28th. Okay. Um, what's his name? His name is Zane. Zane with a Z? With a Z. Z-A-N-E. Love it. Well... We'll we'll give a a shout out to Zane and uh, and we'll tell everyone to uh, make sure to wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Zane! I have a feeling this is a birthday you'll never forget. If you have an extra minute, it would really mean a lot to me if you shared this podcast with your friends on social media. My hope with this show is that it can bring just a little bit of joy and inspiration to the world. And if you've experienced that yourself from this, I hope you'll let people know. And feel free to tag me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle there is Matthew R. Moore. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode up on Saturday.